I will never be a nice guy. I am a strong guy. But I would have been actually a little kinder. And I was very hard to the other trainers that I worked with. I still think most of the trainers who actually work with me, not the owner of the gym, he loves me because I'm bringing (laughs) home the bacon, but the other trainers I work with, they probably don't like me. And even prior to that Equinox, they hated me. And I I would say this and it's going to sound cocky, but I didn't realize who I was at that point in the position I'm in. I didn't realize how much I would differentiate myself and how successful I would be at this. There's not other trainers doing 200 sessions. There's maybe one or two other trainers I know in the city. And we talked about it. Like New York and LA are the only places that matter. That puts me in a very elite category, especially with the price I'm charging. That puts me in a very elite category of people in this world that are doing this. I mean, outside of like general population trainers, there's very few people who are doing what I'm doing. Hi, welcome back to the show. That was Jacob Zemer. Love his transparency, talking about what he'd do differently in his pursuit of his bucket list career. I'm Crystal Laurie, your host, and on this podcast, everyone we talk to has made a dream job a paying one. In Jake's case, money actually stood in his way for a while because he didn't believe the career he knew he was meant for could elevate him to the socioeconomic level he was striving for. So money can create roadblocks. It kept me from taking the leap with this podcast initially, for sure. Would it seem like a hobby? That's what I was asking myself. If I didn't have sponsors paying me right off the bat, how would it look? And that's an unrealistic expectation, by the way, if you're not a celebrity. Here's another question. Why am I letting that kind of negative mental clutter get in my way, right? Lean in, do the work, success follows. And that certainly applies to Jake's journey, I think. He had a few transitions. He was originally going to law school, then shifted his focus to finance. He's a numbers guy. But then he left Wall Street altogether, stopped being a broker, and took the leap. Jake is currently a highly sought-after East Coast personal trainer. And he's quickly becoming a national standout in the fitness industry. A lot of it has to do with social media and how he's navigating that. I started working with him, I'd say, a year ago, and now he's training influencers among his loyal local following, so he has you know, no time for me now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's great. Jake Starr has especially been on the rise since the pandemic. He got creative with remote coaching, digital marketing was working for him, and two new partnerships with startups came about. But I'd say probably the most singular thing about him is his work ethic. When he talks about his monthly volume, you're going to be blown away. In this conversation, Jake has specifics on who you need to be to hit the top tier of training and how to achieve your purpose. Jacob, welcome to Bucket List Careers. It's so much fun to have you on the podcast. It's great to be here. You know, the more I've gotten to know you as my trainer, the more I've realized how perfect you are for this theme of this show. I mean, you left a career in finance. You made that change because you knew you had to. You're now successfully monetizing what you were born to do, let's be honest. And you've made some creative pivots, I would say, in the pandemic that we all can learn from. And you've obviously used to boost your volume in your business. So we're going to get to all of that. But let's start with how you grew up, because you actually did tell me that not having a lot as a kid definitely affected you and the way I think your career evolution has gone. For sure. I grew up in a super, super small town. The actual population where I'm from is 950 people. I grew up with four younger sisters, and we just didn't grow up with a lot. We were pretty poor. Uh, We weren't going to the dentist. We had food on the table and that kind of thing, but it would be like tuna casserole, macaroni and cheese with like hot dogs chopped up in it. It was like really lower middle-class America. 
And that definitely had an influence in terms of my career because I was the oldest and I was always the person who was going to make money. I just was set in stone that I was going to have a cool car. I was going to be jacked. I was going to have like the material things. And it always just drove me. And it definitely influenced me with training because I was never going to be a personal trainer. I was always Mr. Fitness. I was always Mr. Like athlete jacked, but I didn't think they made money. I was going to be a lawyer. That's actually what you had told me. But you did, in fact, work out of college on Wall Street because you're also a numbers guy. So what about that just wasn't working for you? Sure. So when I went to school, I was originally going to be a lawyer. But what happened in 2008 was the markets crashed. And so I studied for the LSAT and everything. I had a business undergrad, but with the LSAT and the market being soft for being a lawyer, I decided to pivot and go into finance. So I worked as a broker. It was my first job, horrible first job, because it was 2008, the economy crashed, and I was cold calling people. People were basically telling me, like, take a hike, <laughs> but not in such nice terms. <laughs> you know, I was, I was calling people when people's like IRAs and 401ks had just totally diminished. So I went back and got my MBA while doing that. And then I came to the city. I worked for Citigroup. I basically evaluated interest rate swaps for Holdco. I liked it. I liked the number stuff, but it was never my passion. And just over the couple of the years, I just realized like, this is not what I want to do day to day. I'm not happy. I don't feel fulfilled. And all my free time was really spent working out, packing meals, eating bison at the like desk, looking over numbers. I was like, this isn't right for me. What did you think would make you stand out when you first got started? You know, Krista, I don't even think that's how I thought about it at first. Based on like how I grew up, I didn't think about this as a career because I didn't know you could actually make real money. I grew up in a place where there was a Walmart and that was a big deal. So I had no clue that people were making hundreds of thousands of dollars personal training. I mean, that would have blown my mind as a kid. I didn't even understand the kind of wealth that there was in Westchester, Long Island, man. That was not even a concept. Mm -hmm. I'll give you a perfect example. As a little, little kid, I remember I saw this watch on the back of a newspaper and I called the ad. I admit it. I was always materialistic. I was always money driven. So I called and they told me that that watch was $98,000. And I still to that day remember because my mind completely exploded. I thought that watch was going to be like 600 bucks. And now I have an AP watch. So I had no clue that you could really make money as a trainer. So I've never been concerned like most of the trainers because I already have a retirement plan that's on its way to happening which also made me a really good trainer because when I was interacting with people, I didn't need them. My first year at Equinox, I think I made $40,000. It's nothing in Westchester, but it didn't matter because I had money because I had money in the bank account I had saved. And because I also had my IRA was my 401k was already established so I could act authentically. Right. So your work ethic and then obviously looking the part, all of those things worked for you. You became a standout top trainer at Equinox for a couple of years. And then you moved to this boutique, smaller studio style environment where I work out with you and lots of people in the lower Westchester area do. You were also beginning to consult for Rumble Boxing. So talk to me about, you know, the success that you were experiencing before the pandemic. And then we'll get into sort of how you pivoted in that time frame. So even going back to Equinox, because I think this is important for people who want to be trainers. I was at Equinox and Equinox was giving me a very small margin, about 40% of what they were charging off of me. Mm -hmm. And that was just not going to work for me long term. And so I moved and I went to a boutique where I had a lot of leverage because at that time, even I was doing 150 sessions a month, which in Equinox numbers, that's unheard of. That's a lot of sessions. 
a good trainer does 80 to 100 sessions. So I was like two trainers combined when I went to this small boutique firm, what's called Prime Performance and Development. It's on Six Railroad Way in Larchmont, New York. And when I came to that studio, I had leverage to go to the owners. Hey, I need to be making more. And, and now I make very much the lion's share. Even when I first got to there, I made the lion's share. But now I've had the opportunity to twice increase it because now I did, if for example, in the month of November, I did 225 sessions. So now I do basically what three trainers combined do. As a matter of fact, I do more than the other three trainers at Prime Performance and Development do combined. And that's not meant to be mean. It's just the reality. And I don't have a lot of sympathy about it because, again, I think the reason I do it is because I work very, very hard. That's just a formula that works no matter what industry you're in. Let's be honest. Yeah, nothing works unless you do. And then tell me about what happened with Rumble. So Rumble, I was doing consulting for them. I had a very good mentor and clients who introduced me to the gentleman who owns it Mm -hmm. and who's an amazing guy and who's also mentored me and taken me under. And again, I'll say that people have taken an interest in me because I think work ethic first and foremost. I think they see somebody who's working hard and they want to come along and help that person prosper. And I was doing consulting for them, helping work with the trainers, helping work with the floor work. And then what ended up happening was that we had a shutdown. We had a shutdown of all gyms. We had a shutdown of everything. And for the time being, that's removed. And in a lot of ways, that was me starting to transcend what I do now because you can make very good money. I'm fortunate to work with a very privileged demographic. But let's be honest, companies have more money than people. So when you start working with companies, you start making really real money. So I was starting to merge into that capacity. And COVID kind of came along and said, oh, Here you go. And it was also the first time in a very long time that I was not making five figures a month in joggers. I wasn't scared because I had a padded bank account again. I had to establish that IRA, but it was not a good feeling to be a guy who was absolutely crushing it to being a guy who was kind of like sitting around getting in his workouts and, you know, waiting for things to change. So like everyone else, you turn to remote. Yes. And you had to look for a way to make that work for your numbers and your volume. So how does that work? I have never done a remote personal training session, but did you have trouble convincing people that, hey, this is going to work for you as well? What percentage of clients are remote still? I'm going to be honest with you. There are very few times that I don't just immediately go and hunt and immediately go and attack. And like many Americans, I got a little lazy at the moment, lackadaisical. And I didn't pursue it like I should have. I was told originally, I was actually told by someone who really cared about me, like set this up, get this equipment, tell your people to go buy equipment. I didn't do any of that. And I also, one, I was a little set on my laurels because I was like, okay, this is going to end soon. It's not going to be long or it's going to be a few weeks. And I, for the first time, like really didn't seize the opportunity. But I said to myself when it came out and when things reopened in May, that's never going to happen again. And I'm really going to attack this thing. And that's when I got very involved in social media. I started forming relationships with influencers. And I also formed a relationship with a company called Verb, which now I have a large amount of remote clients through because I'm head of fitness for the startup. I have about 63 remote clients who basically pay a subscription to have me text them every day. And they basically get coaching, like kind of similar to what that happens in the world of bodybuilding. If people aren't familiar with it, they hire a coach and the coach gives them macros and monitors what their programs are like and stuff like that. People pay $300 a month and I make sure they lose weight. I would say about 
85% of those people, actually 90% of those people end up getting the results they want, but 5% of them don't like me as a person. (laughs) (laughs) That's not possible. (laughs) I don't buy it. That's one of the two startups that you're involved in now? That's one of the two startups. Yep. Paragon is the other startup, which is doing corporate wellness, which is just starting to launch now. Okay. And both of these are just meant to me being the main coach and them channeling me referrals. So do you think that that's a model now that you've embraced? Obviously, the pandemic changed everything. But in terms of the personal training, you know, the physical aspect of it, and then the nutrition and the wellness, do you think that that goes hand in hand and kind of is the way it has to be going forward? You have to have a game plan if you're going to be a personal trainer, guys. I'm sorry, but there's very few trainers who are going to be successful, one, to begin with. And two, there's going to be very even fewer who are going to be successful in their 50s. And you need to understand that you can't make real money working. If I have to physically be a place to make money, you can't really make money. Now, I'm not telling you that there aren't months I haven't made $20,000 personal training. There are routinely, but that's not real money when I can't go away for a vacation for a week. That's not a way to actually generate income. So having remote clients that I can have subscribed to me allows me to be anywhere. I can be in the beach, I can be in Florida, and I can make money. And you have to be scalable. So if I have 100 remote clients, that's $30,000 a month Mm -hmm. that I can make anywhere in the United States, anywhere in the world. And would you say that's particularly valuable to people that aren't in New York or LA where those are where the top trainers are? But if you're a trainer starting out somewhere else in the Midwest or, you know, just a less populous area, you want to be using remote coaching. You either have to be very smart and offer very interesting content, or God has had to have blessed you with a very incredible body. And you don't get me wrong, working out is part of that, but some of that is just genetic. I've always been super jacked. It's not hard work that I'm six, two and a half. You know what I mean? Like, it's just <laughs> part of that is just what got handed to me. If you're in one of those, con- those areas, like you're in the Midwest, you're in Milwaukee, for example, you're going to need social media. You're going to need Instagram to blow up. Paige Hathaway, I think she's from Kansas or something like that, middle of nowhere. And she's huge in the fitness industry. She has 4 million followers. Forbes set her account, and this is years ago, so it's probably worth more now. Her IG page is worth $4 million. You have to be somebody like that Mm. if you're in one of those locations where you can pull people in. And even now, I work with people right now. I had two major influencers post up stuff of mine today because my entire game now, I'm literally looking at this month where I'm going to start spending 5K a month just on social media. And if guess what? If I only make 5K plus whatever I cost me in taxes to make that 5K, so let's say 5K plus 33% or something like that. Yeah but let's say it's $6,500 a month. As long as I make $6,500 off of spending that 5K, I'm perfectly fine with that because it's all about leverage and it's all about pulling people in. And I have to stay aggressive. Other trainers are not aggressive right now and they're dying out and they're suffering and I'm thriving. Well, if you don't have that kind of money to sink into it, you can still do some pretty cheap social media marketing. Isn't that how you kind of started out? You didn't start out with just videos that were professionally done. You probably just had you know, your girlfriend do it for you. So how do you start out when you don't have the marketing budget? You have to be willing to innovate until you get enough leverage. I'm in a point where I have leverage now. It's easy now. The harder part of my career is behind me. Even the harder part of my social media account is behind me. Once I get to 5K followers, that's the hardest part, guys, is getting 5,000 people to follow you. It's harder to get 1,000 people to follow you than 2,000. Somebody looks at your account and like, oh, he has 300 followers. I'm not going to follow him. You know, somebody's looking at your account, oh, you have 1,000 followers. I'm not going to follow them. Once you have money in your pocket, it's very easy to make more money. You have to get people who are willing to refer you people. And I think you have to put out intelligent or unique content, or you have to be very lucky with how you look and post up content. 
let's go way back to when I was at Equinox and I was only making peanuts to work. My checks were actually smaller than they were supposed to be every month because I was the only person who every month did a certification and nobody else did it. And I did it because my whole thing was, okay, I made X amount of money this month. I'm going to put X amount of money towards my education. That was my first step for innovation. And now I have more money so I can spend even more money on things. How much money can a top trainer make? Okay, a top, top trainer. So now we're talking beyond me. Somebody who really understands IG could easily make a million dollars a year. Easily. I don't think a lot of people would expect that. If you can get it down where you can get a subscription, we're talking about like the Katie Saunders of the world. She's a six foot tall girl who's 180 pounds. She's not your stereotypical girl and she accentuates like gorgeous physique, but she's a six foot, 180 pounds. Most people don't associate that. She has women following her like crazy and she's monetized the heck out of this thing. I guarantee you she's making a million dollars a year off that, that account and she's crushing it. Now, if you go down a couple pegs and you get somebody who maybe doesn't is interesting of content of her, you're going to easily get somebody who makes half a million dollars. Do you got trainers in the city, people, you know, that you know who are making $300,000 with their eyes closed? Look, it's not uncommon if you knew what you were doing that you could make every month $18,000 personal training and you could do $15,000 in remote business. 50 remote clients, $300 a piece. Run the math on that. That's $15,000. Right. And then if you take on top of that, and let's say I charge 140 a session and last month I did 225 sessions. And let's say I take home, I don't know, somewhere around, I'm not going to say exact number because I don't want to upset anybody I work with, but let's say I take 75, (laughs) 80% of what I make home. That's a lot of money. (laughs) The reality is the average trainer in the United States makes about $44,000 a year. Now, in large part, some of that is just you have to look in the mirror and you have to say, do I actually look like I work out? Because I'm sorry, that's just a big part of it. 60% of people will pick their trainer based on how they look. The second thing you need to understand is there is a difference between enjoying working out and spending 10 hours a day at a gym. That's a full day. Yeah, you have to be be that guy. You have to have that energy. Yeah. I'm going to ask you if you would do anything differently. And a lot of people answer this with, I wish I had started sooner. But you don't really qualify as that person because you're pretty young in your early 30s. Yeah. Yeah, I just gave you up. You're a baby. (laughs) You're a baby. So don't even complain. All right? I'm not in the mood for you. I've got all sorts of aches. (laughs) I I know you and I know you have a better answer to that question. What would you do differently in your journey to your bucket list career, which you have achieved? Sure. So I would do differently. I would have been kinder. Not to my clients. You guys all deserve everything you get. People pay me to be a hard ass. And that is just naturally who I am as a person. I am a very assertive, very aggressive person. My dad was a very soft-spoken man. And I watched him get taken advantage his whole life. say all the time to my girl, I will never be a nice guy. I am a strong guy. But I would have been actually a little kinder. And I was very hard to the other trainers that I worked with. I still think most of the trainers who actually work with me, not the owner of the gym, he loves me because I'm bringing home the bacon, but the other trainers I work with, they probably don't like me. And even prior to that Equinox, they hated me. And I I would say this and it's going to sound cocky, but I didn't realize who I was at that point in the position I'm in. I didn't realize how much I would differentiate myself and how successful I would be at this. There's not other trainers doing 200 sessions. There's maybe one or two other trainers I know in the city. And we talked about it. Like New York and LA are the only places that matter. That puts me in a very elite category, especially with the price I'm charging. That puts me in a very elite category of people in this world that are doing this. I mean, outside of like general population trainers, there's very few people who are doing what I'm doing. And you're doing it well. Thank you. 
So it was really great to have you on the podcast. I will see you at the gym soon. And I'm just going to very quickly plug your website, Jacob Zemer, Z-E-M-E-R.com, correct? Correct. And the Instagram is Jacob Zemer, one word, and it's on IG, obviously. Thank you for being with me here on the show. My website is a bit of a mouthful, but it's easy to remember. It's bucketlesscareerspodcast.com. The episodes are there, but I'll be adding some videos from time to time in addition to updating blogs. So check it out, rate and review the show if you have a moment. Remember, if you want to chat with me between episodes, you can DM me at bucketlesscareers on Instagram or Facebook. I'm there too. I'd love to connect with you and hear your feedback, or if you have someone who'd be a great guest, let me know. And if you haven't already, I'd love it if you would subscribe. Join me next time right here on Bucket List Careers. An ironic media production. Visit us at ironicmedia.com.